This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm Dave Sulecki. And I'm Dale Spangler. And this week we have Sean Brennan, Public Relations Manager for Feld Motorsports, promoters of Monster Energy Supercross. Moto America is the official sponsor of Pit Pass Moto. Moto America, home of AMA Superbike and North America's premier motorcycle road racing series, is thrilled to announce that it will partner with Daytona International Speedway to host one of the world's most prestigious races, the Daytona 200, during the weekend of March 10th through the 12th, 2022, in Daytona Beach, Florida. The Daytona 200 will not be included as part of the Moto America Supersports Championship, leaving the opportunity open for best riders from around the world to compete for the minimum $175,000 in purse and contingency that would be offered. In addition to the Daytona 200, the Moto America weekend at Daytona International Speedway will be the opening round for the 2022 Moto America King of the Baggers Championship, marking the first time the baggers will race at the high banks of the super speedway with speeds expecting to exceed 160 miles per hour and also the first round of the Twins Cup Championship. Joining the baggers in Twins Cup will be the ever popular Roland Sands Super Hooligan National Championship and all three classes will run two races during the Daytona 200 weekend. Tickets are on sale now at www.daytonainternationalspeedway.com or by calling 1-800-PIT-SHOP. This week's race recap is the AMA Supercross Round 3 of 17 at the San Diego, California Petco Park. In 250 action, we had one barn burner of a race in that final 250 race. Big crash in the first turn. Points leader Christian Craig goes down, and he started dead last and to make his way through the pack and ended up on the podium. It was quite a charge. It was pretty inspiring to watch. Kind of took some of the noise away from uh, Michael Moseman, who took his first win on the year. Yeah, it was definitely action-packed and very impressive to see Christian Craig pick himself up off the ground in the first turn and work his way through the pack to grab a podium position. Barely even lost. I think he lost a couple of points in the championship series. So it was a very impressive ride for Craig. But as you said, Dave, Michael Mosman, given the Gas Gas factory team its first win and his first 250 Supercross win, definitely was cool to see. And a quiet ride from uh, Hunter Lawrence in second place between the three title contenders, Christian Craig, Hunter Lawrence, and Michael Mosman. Not many points separate the two. So it's going to be a pretty interesting series as the series continues into round four. I thought Moseman definitely uh, did a great job. Showed a lot of poise for a young rider in that uh, in that final charge to the finish. So uh, hats off to him and Gas Gas on their win. In the 450 class, we had another new winner. This is our third winner in three rounds. So this was amazing to see. Chase Sexton was one of the fastest guys on the track. Was on fire all night. 
just looked solid. He pulled a whole shot and was gone. It was great to see him uh, take that home for Team Honda, man. Chase Sexton just looked silky smooth the entire night, grabbing that win by, I want to say, over seven seconds You know, at the finish. Eli Tomac, though, slotted into second place and took over the points lead and the red plate, while Dylan Ferrandis took the final podium spot in third. And uh, things were looking up for uh, Ken Roxon and Jason Anderson as they charged toward the front before a crash from Roxon and a smoking KX450 relocated the two title contenders to seventh and eighth place in the main event. Yeah, for sure. I think Anderson kind of kind of helped Tomac get on the box Saturday night. But I'll tell you what, he was definitely one of the fastest guys on the racetrack at most points, uh, you know, up until he had those uh, those bike troubles. But uh, some other action on the track, we had Justin Barsha, who was the points leader going into that round. He was docked one position for getting into some aggressive riding with uh, Justin Bogle. And out of that also, Bogle got DQ'd and placed in last place, 22nd on the day. So, uh some drama to go with, uh, you know, some groundbreaking wins on the weekend, man. Definitely some tempers were flaring a little bit in the main event. And uh, some other notable finishes I saw, uh, you know, Cooper Webb, uh, definitely always sneaky, was in there in the top five and, and keeps himself in the running. The biggest thing I noticed, though, five points separate the top five. I just can't even believe this series is going to be so good going forward. 14 points only separate the top 10. So this is definitely one of the closest series we've seen in quite some time. 2022 is shaping up to be a great season, three rounds in, so I uh, can't wait till the next round. This week's Industry Spotlight focuses on the 2022 AIM Expo, which took place January 19th through the 21st in Las Vegas, Nevada. I was there at this once a year industry trade show that focuses on the business side of power sports after the show took a two year hiatus due to the pandemic. Although brand and dealer attendance may not have been back to pre-pandemic levels, the consensus seemed to be that it was great to be back together once again as an industry. The educational seminars were valuable, the face-to-face interaction productive, and the networking opportunities numerous. One of my biggest observations, Electric motorcycles, scooters, and e-bikes dominated the show floor, and it will be interesting to see just how the show evolves in the future. And speaking of the future, AIM Expo has already announced the show will return in 2023 with dates February 15th through the 17th confirmed at the Las Vegas Convention Center. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This week's moment in moto history, we want to talk about Supercross round three winners and the impact on the final race series standings. Historically, the third round of Supercross established the watermark for the eventual series winner. In the last six seasons, 
Five times the winner of the third round went on to win the championship. That's 83% of the time. In the last 10 seasons, the trend kind of flattens a little bit, six out of 10, but still a majority trend. Yeah, some of the interesting ones that I saw, you came up with uh, as round three winners, Cooper Webb, twice now. He's uh, won the third round and got on to uh, win the championship. So what I'm curious to see is our round three winner, Chase Sexton, will he be the champion at the end of the 2022 season? That's going to be the big question. So far this season, we have seen three winners in three rounds, and that's something that hasn't happened very often in Supercross. Add to the mix were several top riders switch teams for the new season. Eli Tomac joining the Star Racing Monster Energy Yamaha squad and Jason Anderson, winner of round two, taking Tomac's spot on the Kawasaki factory bike. Will 2022 follow this statistical trend? We will all know in May in Salt Lake City. John Brennan, welcome to Pit Pass Moto. How are you today? You guys have to be super pumped about how the season has gone. Here we are, three rounds into the 2022 Supercross Series. We have three different winners. Five points separate the top five, and only uh, 14 points separate the top 10. I mean, you guys just have to be ecstatic with how the series has started out this year. You certainly do not need to manufacture drama when you have this kind of racing, which is amazing. First of all, hey, thank you for having me on today and uh, talking about this year's season. And yeah, as you mentioned, wow, we're off to a fantastic start. Three rounds in already. Uh, Obviously, we have a long way to go. But boy, the storyline so far, the racing, the parody, the closeness in points, it has really been We couldn't have asked for a better start to the 2022 season, for sure. Event promotion has not been easy the last few years. But for the Feld team, I mean, you guys really seem to step up and continue to make things happen with the series, starting with the residencies in places like Salt Lake City and Atlanta, of course, having to create COVID race protocols. I mean, how difficult was it to keep this series going strong the last few years? Well, you know, it it has not been easy. You're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, if we really, you know, peel it back and we go all the way back to March of 2020 when, you know, this really all started, it's amazing to think that we're, you know, now entering our third year of having to deal, you know, still deal with, with COVID. In March of 2020, we felt entertainment actually had 26 different tours touring the world at that point. And we started really focusing in on COVID in China. We had two Disney on Ice tours that were actually in the country at that time. And we had tours in Europe, all over the world. And we obviously, we had to start following things then. Uh, but we really didn't think that it was going to affect the Supercross season. And at round 10 in Daytona, it was Ken Roxon and his agency at that point that really made the call that they were going to stop doing autographs in person. And they did that because a lot of their soccer players that they represented over in Europe and other parts of the world had decided to do that as well. So that was really the first that we saw a company kind of take a proactive approach to limit engagement and contact and things like that. And that's really where Seattle at that point, which was still a few weeks away, we really had to start taking a look at 
and we're following that venue very, very close. And then, you know, the following week, round 11, we were in Indianapolis and I was, I drove home from Daytona. I did, you know, I prepped my normal, normal week. I flew to Indianapolis on Wednesday. On Thursday morning at 7 a.m., we were still promoting. The tickets were on sale. I had local athletes in studio were promoting. By 9 o'clock, we had to start changing the messaging a little bit, saying that the governor was going to be making an announcement in the afternoon. But so far, you know, we're still on track and looking good. Happy to be here. And then I had another stop in studio at 12 o'clock. And by that point, you already started hearing language like, you know, limited fans, no fans, groups of 2,500. By the time they made the final announcement, I think that, you know, was indoor crowds of, you know, no more than 250. So we actually had to cancel that last stop at noon. And we were all flying home on Friday to really kind of uh, see how, like the rest of the world, you know, how this was all going to, um, you know, move forward. So, yeah, we were fortunate enough. We were actually one of the very first sports to be able to complete our 2020 championship. You know, everybody knows the bubble term now, but it was really us in in NASCAR. We were talking with several sports at that point back in 2020 about how to move forward. And NASCAR and us, obviously, we're in our seasons. The NFL, the NBA, none of them were, you know, well, the NBA was currently playing as well. But it was really NASCAR and Supercross that really put that bubble together. Uh, We were able to go back, like you were mentioning, the Salt Lake City Seven races, the residency, and complete our championship. And a lot of the things that we learned back in 2020, we obviously rolled into 2021. We had limited fans in attendance, uh, so we were really following what Major League stadiums were doing at the time with the NFL and Major League Baseball. 2021, you know, some neat things came to be with the week weekday racing and residencies and things like that. But most stadiums, I think we were only able to sell 15% was the largest capacity that we were able to, to sell. So, you know, certainly bummed that we weren't able to, you know, engage with our fans uh, as we normally would. But again, we were able to keep our athletes safe, and most importantly, we were able to keep racing, keep the industry moving, and complete our championship season. So everything that we have learned, we keep building on, and we move forward with it, and we have taken all of those same protocols and approaches into the 2022 season. The only thing that we're doing differently is that we're introducing full capacity into stadiums. So we're thrilled to have all of our fans back at full capacity for both FanFest as well as the races. But what might be interesting to folks is that from the backside of the house with all of our teams and our athletes, they are still in a bubble. So we are still using some of our initial strategies to keep them safe throughout the season. But they're are a lot of things like contactless shopping that you know are all normal now, uh, but back in early 2020, these were you know progressive concepts. But so far, so good. Everything that we have been doing is working, and we're looking to finish out this season and 
and obviously get to the finish line, which we're three rounds in and we still have a long way to go. Hats off to you and the team at Feld for, uh, I guess, normalizing and writing the script or the playbook for how to uh, do event promotion. It's it's uh, It's been great to watch, and it's, and it's interesting to hear how you've adapted all along the way and continue to adapt, so that's great news. One thing I wanted to kind of shift gears a little bit, I think Feld's been one of the vehicles to present that KTM Junior racing program to the world and kind of get the see average spectator to kind of understand at a young age what the sport is about. Does Feld expect to kind of evolve that program or continue that program? Uh, what what are your thoughts there? Yes, the, the KTM Junior program, you know, two years ago, they brought on Wells Fargo, which has been a fantastic partner in that program. It really just shows you the reach of that program, even with, you know, a mainstream audience, if you will. But this is uh, our 18th or 19th season of partnering with KTM. So absolutely, this is something that we all love. There are great partners in uh, that we will continue to invest in. We don't see that changing anytime, uh, anytime in the future. You know, I don't, oh my goodness, at one point I had an a account and I think at one point there was like nine active racers pro athletes that were still competing uh, that have all gone through the KTM Junior program. None more famous than Ryan Dungey, as you guys know, but he actually started uh, going through that program. Obviously, he was doing other things. You know, he started riding at, you know, age three, but, but by the time he was seven or eight, his hometown of Minneapolis, you know, he was able to to join the ranks of the KTM juniors. And he still talks about that and is still heavily invested in that program. And we're doing some things uh, that we'll be announcing in the coming weeks when we get to the Minneapolis round with Ryan Dungey and his foundation, the Ryan Dungey Foundation, that will obviously include the KTM junior kids as well. So my goodness, it is amazing when you are at Supercross and the KTM kids are out there the cheers they get, you know, people do not go and uh, and look for food or the bathrooms when it is time for those kids to go racing. It is a goosebump moment for sure. And, you know, there are only a couple other points in the night that uh, that the fans cheer louder for. Those kids in that program are now racing on electric motorcycles, which uh, is new to the program starting back in 2021. KTM you know, in addition to all of their, you know, additional technology and innovations with um, normal motorcycles continuing to develop engines, you know, they are way ahead of everybody else as far as electric technology. And potentially, we could obviously see an entire generation of kids that will end up growing up on electric motorcycles. So it's really interesting to see that technology continued to develop as well as the continued investment from KTM. The Junior's Challenge is always a super popular one every time I've ever been to a Supercross. Now, Sean, another thing I noticed for this year that you guys introduced is the Supercross Futures, which looks to me like it's kind of a, a sort of upcoming, a feeder class, if you will. Tell us a little bit about that and uh, what the intent of that program is. Supercross Futures program is really our developmental, as you mentioned, feeder, but it really is designed to develop the next generation of talent. 
We started this program back in 2019. The original year, we had six different markets where on Sunday, following the Supercross race, we hosted an entire day of racing. So 27 different classes, and it was really designed to give you know, the everyday rider, the experience of racing inside a stadium on a real Supercross track. So the first year, of course, you had your up-and-comers that were racing as part of that series, as well as we had a points and developmental program as part of that to get your points to actually get, you know, your Supercross license, as well as you know, being able to give these kids, you know, everybody typically starts outdoors. Not everybody has a supercross track in their backyard, although there are so many different training facilities now, you know, cropping up around the country that it is more normal now. But, you know, if you don't have access to those training facilities, there is not a local supercross track. So at the end of the day, supercross futures is really designed to start giving you know, the next generation of talent, the opportunity to actually race supercross tracks. But in 2019, that first year, we were six different markets. And then 2020, we were actually expanding to 10. And again, those events were on Sunday afternoon and certainly featured, you know, the rider DeFrancesco's and that generation uh, of fast up and comers. But again, was designed for the everyday person to come and enjoy that racing as well. Unfortunately, the pandemic, uh, as it did with most things, not only did it interfere with our Supercross season, but it obviously interfered with uh, Supercross futures as well. So we weren't able to, that was one thing that we weren't able to figure out for the final seven races of 2020. And then in 2021, with all of the limitations that we did have uh, with the ongoing pandemic, we weren't able to do anything with Supercross futures last season. So this year, we wanted to get back to it, most importantly, as a developmental stage for that next generation, the A-class 250 riders, to be able to get their points and get their Supercross license. So we were able to to get it back up and running with some fantastic regional track partners across the country. So this season, we have six different regional qualifiers that feed into the actual Supercross premier event that will take place on race day. So that's a neat way for us to continue to give these kids the spotlight. So this season, all six, you know, six different rounds will be racing as part of the day program. And then there will be a championship at the end. So Again, this is designed, you know, we keep trying to uh, innovate and create new ways to not only uh, develop the next generation of talent, but to also keep the fans engaged with these young racers uh, throughout their career. So 2023, we look to be back to what we were doing pre-pandemic and having Sunday as being an all-day Supercross Futures Day. Again, we'll continue with that. 250A class and continuing that to be a developmental class to get their points and their license. But we hope to be back where everybody can be part of racing inside their favorite stadium on Sundays as well next year.
Yeah, that's awesome news. And uh, definitely, we love to see it because Supercross's uh, future is bright and young riders coming into the sport certainly helps all of us and we love to see it. So I'm kind of curious about yourself, Sean. I know you've done some work in your past in the music industry promotion. I'm kind of want to know how much of that can you take from your past? How much of that is similar to what you do now as far as interfacing with the uh, with the industry? I grew up in Pittsburgh with two passions, music and dirt bikes. Fortunately for my career, my career path, I've been able to work professionally with both, which is a little bit unique. I continue to tell people how similar the music business is to our business. Every musician across the country, it doesn't matter where you are and where you start, you know, you, you start local, you know, you play in clubs, you write songs, you continue to hone your craft, you're looking for the next opportunity to be in front of people, to be in front of the right people. And eventually, if you keep developing, you're looking for that big break. So I'm looking for LA, New York, or Nashville. I need to be in front of the right talent scouts to get signed to a record deal, if you will. And it's the same. If you talk to any Supercross racer, it's absolutely the same trajectory, if you will. They start young. There's you know local and regional. And everything that they do is to improve, to get better, to learn more, uh, but then to get the industry and, most importantly, the factories to take notice. So... If you're an artist, you're trying to get signed to a record deal. If you're a Supercross athlete, you're trying to get signed to a factory ride. You know, if you're playing clubs in the music business, you, you want to end up playing stadiums under the lights. And if you start out uh, racing a dirt bike on, you know, Saturdays out in the middle of a field, you're hoping to eventually be under the lights in a stadium on Saturday night. So... I continue to find uh, there's so many similarities between the two industries and the two businesses. But yeah, you're absolutely right. There are so many different things from marketing, from promotion that apply to the music business that also apply to what we are doing with Supercross as well. Well, I couldn't agree more, uh, Sean, about the, the music and motorcycles, the similarities there. I think music is one of those things that probably uh, one of the closest things that resembles riding a motorcycle, so couldn't agree more. We really appreciate your time today, Sean. It's got to feel great for, for you and the rest of the Feld team to be back into full, you know, filled stadiums. Where can people go to find the latest and greatest about Monster Energy Supercross? Fans can visit us at supercrosslive.com. All of our social channels are Supercross Live. And the website is supercrosslive.com. Thanks again to our guests for being with us today, and thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you can never miss an episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review us. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our blog and our brand new store where you can get your Pit Pass swag. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm Dave Selecki. And I'm Dale Spangler. 
See you next week on Pit Pass Moto. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.